0: The sermon Bible reading for today comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen.
1: Thanks, Chris. Keep those Bibles open. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name's Pete Stacey, and it is great to be together. Looking at this fantastic passage, which our young people have looked at for a whole week at LIT. So uh, it's a bit daunting about preaching tonight, but anyway. Uh, we're beginning a new series today called Let's Talk uh, because we want to understand this great message uh, because today's uh, beginning of the series is looking at the, the greatest message that God has given us. This passage, you might have picked up at the, at the end there, talks about a free gift that God has for us. It's an, it's an awesome gift and... Um, I'm going to try and explain it clearly, Uh, and before I finish, I want to give us all the opportunity to to receive this gift if you haven't already. But first, I want to share a bit of my own spiritual journey since last Sunday. If you were here, you'll remember that uh, John gave a really helpful and challenging message about forgiveness, forgiving others. And he shared several Bible verses on the screen as he made each point. And this one really got me. It's on the screen. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, I've read that many, many times over the years and underlined the first bit, But glossed over that second part. But it really hit me as I said then. Sorry, John, I don't know what you said for the next five minutes. But um, I was just there really, really, you know, just coping with what I felt God showing me. That that God gives his warm sunshine and nourishing rain to everyone, including the people who ignore him, reject him, hate him, or even deny his existence. He doesn't have to be kind like that, but he is. He could use his unlimited... Power just to to wipe people out. But he doesn't because, you know, as it says elsewhere, he's patient with us. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so committed to the possibility of forgiveness and reconciliation that he reaches out with astonishing kindness to everyone. It really hit me just so that they can be saved and come back into a relationship with himself. Uh, And he wants uh, you and me to to do the same, to to be loving and forgiving, even when we're personally hurt. It's one of those ways we can look more like our Heavenly Father. So today, as we uh, look at the question, what is the gospel, this good news about the the free gift that God offers to us, I want us to keep in mind that that this is something that, that God is more passionate about than any of us. He is seeking us more than we're seeking him. Today we're looking at what is the gospel. Next week we're going to explore all kinds of ways that we might share that wonderful news with others. But as we, are, as we begin, let's ask God to help us understand it uh, as we look at this wonderful news. Let's pray. Gracious Father, by your Spirit, please open our minds to understand the free gift you offer to us. Open our hearts to receive it and delight in all that you've done for us and to live our lives with joy and gratitude as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, please do keep your, your finger in that Ephesians passage. Um, the structure of those 10 verses is very similar to what some of you may have, have learned how to write a personal testimony, yeah, the story of how you came to know Jesus. And, and you probably learned that there's three basic parts. Now, what our life was like before God saved us, uh, how God saved us uh, through Jesus, and then thirdly, how our life has changed since that time. Before we look at those three stages in Ephesians, we need to get the backstory to find out how we got to the beginning of this passage. And we need to get right back to the very beginning of God's story and see what was his purpose for us right from the start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First verse of the Bible. And God created all people, male and female, in his own image and blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. at the end of his work of creating, God saw all that he had made and it was very, very good. There's perfect harmony between God and people. Between Adam and Eve, our biological and spiritual parents, and between people and the creation that they were to care for. Perfect harmony. God brought us into the world, his world, to love him, to love other people, and to care for his good creation. Genesis 2 ends with this beautiful poetic description. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt No shame. There was no fear, no reason to fear. No shame, no guilt. Just perfect safety and acceptance and peace and joy. And God gave them all kinds of ways to express their love for him. Joyfully obeying hundreds of positive options in the garden. And joyfully avoiding just one negative option. You probably know how that went. Like putting one chocolate amongst a smorgasbord and saying to a child, just don't touch that one chocolate. (laughs) Genesis 3 describes their tragic rejection of God as the wise, loving, generous, rightful ruler of their lives. And sin entered the world and the following chapters show an avalanche of sin spreading to every corner of the human heart. And every generation of the human race, destroying every relationship that was once perfect. Uh, think about just briefly our world today. We're made by God to, to love him and, and, and love people and, and care for his creation. Let, let's, let's work in reverse there. How well do you think we're going at being caretakers of planet Earth? Well, not great. Well, what about human relationships? I was reflecting on this this week. I think we all taste enough love to long for more, to long for really good relationships. But there's so much brokenness and frustration and hurt and fear at a global level, at a community level, at a personal level. We're so far from perfect. And all of this is just evidence that we have a broken relationship with God, our Maker. It's so out of whack, it's severely broken. Well, that's the backstory to our passage in Ephesians 2. And from that time, God set in motion this wonderful plan to restore people to himself. So, as we look at Ephesians chapter 2, keep it open there, verses 1 to 3 describe all people before being rescued by God. And there's three things to note here. Verse 1 says, We were dead in our transgressions and sins. Very strong language, isn't it? Transgressions is breaking rules you know about, you know, deliberately stepping off the right path. Sins refers to uh, falling short of a standard, like the arrow falling short of the target. That's the, that's the image that um, Paul uses in Romans 3, 3.23. You might have learned in Sunday school. So in both kind of deliberate ways and just careless ways, in sins of commission and omission, the bad we do as well as the good that we fail to do, we're spiritually dead before God. No relationship whatsoever cut off from him. Now I've heard the illustration of Jesus being like a lifesaver who rescues the person struggling outside the flags. But the reality is that we were already drifting on the ocean floor. No sign of life when God came to rescue us. We didn't reach out. We didn't hold his hand. God did the lot. He saved us. Our sins are like unplugging ourselves From God, the very source of life and love and power. And maybe you feel like that today, like you're unplugged from God. Well, the next description here in verses uh, 1 to 3 is is that we were enslaved. Verse 3 says, We were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Our own evil hearts and minds led us away from God. I was on a farm once. We had to get a cow into the stockyards because it was bloated, seriously bloated. It would have died. Um, Needed to pour some castor oil down its throat. And the farmer had some some really big pliers with big round ends that kind of went into the the soft part of this cow's nose. And, like, once we got them in, like, you'd literally lead that cow where you wanted it to go. Well, that's kind of the description of of us in our sinful nature. Being led astray, we follow the ways of this world. Even if we try not to, we just just drift off. And following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that that means the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And friends, the devil is still at work in our world. Doing everything to ensure that, that people don't hear about Jesus. Doing everything to ensure that they don't respond if they do hear, Doing everything he can to move people away from God. And our own sinful nature only makes it easier for him. So we're spiritually dead in our sin. Our hearts and minds are a slave by sin. Can it get any worse? Well, much worse. By the way, this is the bad news before the good news. Look at verse 3. The third point is, we were by nature deserving God's wrath. Condemned by God. This is a bad situation. Wrath is such a strong word. It means God's righteousness anger against us it's not as though god just wakes up you know on the wrong side of the bed grumpy one morning and says who can i dish out on today yeah some of us might do that but god's not like that it's more like the policeman who sits in his car and many might pass within the speed limit but when the radar detects someone going too fast the policeman springs into action he has his eye on the offender so too god detects all who break his law but unlike the policeman, who may not feel any personal violation, God is personally violated because at the heart of all sin is a rejection of God's loving rule over our lives. He created us to love Him and be in a relationship with Him. We deserve His condemnation for pushing Him away like that. It's entirely appropriate for him to punish our sin. And no amount of good deeds or personal achievements can kind of undo our sin or erase it or balance it out like a seesaw. We cannot reverse our situation. And this is the really bad news, isn't it? Before trusting Jesus, think about it. Did you think of yourself as spiritually dead, enslaved by sinful desires and condemned by God? Perhaps not. But it's terrible. And that's the spiritual reality that we're in unless God does something about it. And into our hopeless situation, God shines the light of hope. No one but God is in a position to judge us for our sin. But get this, that means that no one but God is in a position to save us From our sin, and He wants to. God is merciful and loving and wants to forgive and wants to restore our relationship with Him. That was my aha moment this week. The rain and the sunshine remind us just how deeply committed God is to the possibility of forgiveness and reconciliation, that He reaches out with astonishing kindness to everyone so that they can be saved. So we ought to read verse 4 with great joy and humble thanks. This is the great turning point in this passage. But, that's what we were, but because of his great love for us, God who is so rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Last week, John explained uh, that that forgiveness doesn't rule out justice. Uh, Repentance is required. In in fact, God's forgiveness of our sins requires justice. Our sin must still be paid for. So how does God's justice and, and his mercy, his desire to be in relationship with us, how does that come together? It comes together at the cross of Jesus. If we could be forgiven without our sin being paid for, then Jesus would never have had to die. He literally died in our place. He literally took our sin upon himself. And by rising to new life, he conquered death and sin and Satan, and he offers us forgiveness. He offers us eternal life. Jesus is the only way to God. And look at the radical change that now takes place. Death gives way to new life in Jesus. Verse 5, if you've got it open. Instead of slavery, we are seated with our ruling Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6. And God's wrath is replaced by the incomparable riches of his grace. In in verse 7. That's what God has done for us. It's a profound transformation. It's not surprising that Jesus called it being born again. It's a whole new beginning. Paul described it as becoming a new creation. And I can still remember the Sunday school class where it was likened to the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. And who sang the song? Yeah, yeah, we're not going to sing it now. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful memories. You see, if you've put your trust in Jesus, friends, then rejoice in who you are and what you have become by the grace of God at work in your heart. And why did God save us? Not because of something in us or about us, such as good works or or fine achievements or something like that. No, it was something in himself. Verse 4. Great love, verse four again. Rich in mercy, verse five. Grace—it's there again in verse eight, and and in verse seven, kindness. Four wonderful qualities of God, and we could add generosity as well, because all of this comes to us as a gift from God. Verse eight: For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves; it is the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast. And and if you've got young children, ask them if they can say that verse to you later. They're looking at it right now and it's on the kids' sheet. Um, It's a wonderful verse of the Bible to memorise at a young age so it's with you for life. Perhaps you've heard this today and you're thinking, well, I'm actually not sure if I have received that gift. I'm, I'm not sure if my sins are forgiven. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, you don't know what I've done. Friends, God knows That's why he sent Jesus, because none of us can pay for our sin and fix our predicament by ourselves. But he sent Jesus to bring us back to himself. Friends, it can only be received, verse 8, by faith that means placing our trust in Jesus as a our rescuer because he has paid for our sin on the cross and trusting Jesus as our ruler in life because he knows what's best for us in every situation and he calls us to follow that means we need to turn from sins. one of the reasons why we say confession prayer. And thanks for leading us in that earlier. So appropriate. And to follow him. And I think that's one of the reasons why Paul's added verse 10 at the end. He's saying, not by works. No, nothing to do with works. Works, And then verse 10 is all about works. What's going on there? Um, it's possible, you see, that all this focus on God's grace and our salvation not being by our works could lead some people to think that, that good works are a thing of the past. So Paul wraps up this section by reminding us that we are actually created to do good works. We're actually created to live with and in relationship to and to live for God, our loving maker. So he says, For we are God's God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good works don't save us. But now that we are saved, get on with all the good works we were created for. Things that God's already prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that exciting? God knows what's up ahead for you. We just need to live in relationship with him and enjoy that wonderful adventure of faith. Don't waste our time in sin and selfish living. Get on with living for God's glory. In relationship with him. Get on with the living for the good of others and the growth of his kingdom. And here's the good news. All who turn from sin and put their trust in Jesus receive God's gift of forgiveness. He hits delete on all our sin. The penalty for it. It's laid on Christ. All who put their trust in Christ receive God's Holy Spirit living in them to strengthen them and help them through life now and to guarantee 30, his gift of eternal life when our physical life ends here. And you know what? The Holy Spirit helps us get on with those good works that God's prepared for us as well. What's the alternative? Well, those who reject God reject Jesus, remain under His judgment and punishment now and forever. What will we choose? Are we going to receive this, this gift? It's not ours until we receive it if you'd like to say yes to God today, I'm going to put a prayer on the screen in a moment and I'll read it through first so you know exactly what uh, it says and then I'm going to pray it slowly and if it echoes the cry of your heart, you'd like to receive God's free gift, then say it silently with me as I say the words. Now this might be the first time you've ever said something like this uh, to God. Maybe you've never talked to God before in your whole life. Um, but you've heard what he's offering today and and you want to receive uh, him and his gift for you, then say the words with me as I say it. Maybe you've said something like this lots of times, but, well, you recognise that you've drifted from God. Today, friends, is the day to come back to him. Pray these words are fresh in your heart because he's waiting with arms wide open to receive you. Here's the prayer. Here it is on the screen. Thank you for giving me life and purpose. I'm sorry for rejecting you and your plan for my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sin. Thank you that he rose again to give me new life. Today I turn from sin and put my trust in Jesus. Please forgive me and help me to follow you from now on, if that echoes what you'd like to say to God today, can I encourage you, just in the quietness of your heart, to pray these words earnestly, sincerely with me. person beside you won't know what's going on. This is between you and God. Friends, please, you can look to the screen or you can just close your eyes as I say these words out loud. Let's, let's talk to God. Dear God, thank you for giving me life and purpose. I'm sorry for rejecting you and your plan for my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sin. Thank you that he rose again to give me new life. Today I turn from sin and put my trust in you. Please forgive me and help me to follow you from now on. Amen.